Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Framework Leadership, a podcast about principles and ideas that you can use today. Take your leadership to the next level. We now are exclusively part of the SU Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ken Engel, president of Southeastern University. And and I'm your co-host, Michael Steiner, SCU chief of staff. And man, we are excited to introduce our guest for today's show, uh, Drew Watson. The Drew Watson. The Drew one has and been, only. Yes, our uh, SCU athletic director now for 10 years, right? Yeah. Currently oversees 19 programs with close to 500 student athletes. Currently serves on the Sun Conference Executive Committee and the NAIA Conduct and Ethics Committee. Mm. He also has been named the Sun Conference Athletic Director of the Year four times. That's four times in a row, isn't it? No, no? Four, four times over the last nine years. Yeah, okay. Ten years. But, but is it two years, three? There is some... Uh, it's a, it's at been least every, two years in a row. It's been every other year. Are you sure? Yes. But I'm were, pretty sure it was two years. I'm going to go back to yeah. We're going to have timeline. We're going to have to confirm Well, there was that. a national awards. Okay, oh, maybe that's oh, okay. It. Sorry, oh, sorry. sorry. Yes. He was national in a year. in the middle of that. <laughs> right. He did. It. Hey. He's good. Well, anyway, what a phenomenal <laughs> athletic director. And under your leadership, our athletic teams have seen thirteen. 13, 13 NAIA National Championship appearances and four NAIA National Championships. And that's just this past year, right? Yes. <laughs> yep. Last year. Pretty, pretty amazing. Um, so uh, now, Drew, you've been here now, as we said, what, 10 years. Mm-hmm. You were a coach before stepping up to become athletic director. You coached the women's basketball team. You even received your master's degree from here. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us how you ended up in Lakeland and what your life was like prior to SCU. Well, I was at a Division three school in the Northeast, and uh, I was the women's basketball coach and athletic director for a long time up there. It was my alma mater. Uh, So I had been there uh, 22 years at the point at which I I transitioned. But, you know, I think in in leadership, sometimes uh, you're in a place where you get comfortable. Right. And as I said, it was it was my it was my alma mater. I've been a student athlete there. I'd worked there for quite a while. And I I felt kind of God's nudging a couple times like, hey, start looking around. Maybe I've, I've got something else for you. And when you're comfortable, sometimes you don't you don't. Act on that. It's like no, I'm good. Right. right. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. Well, God has a tendency to, to show up and say, "Well, if you're not going to move yourself, I'm going to move you." And I was called in randomly one day and, and told I wasn't going to be back the next year, mm-hmm. much to my shock. And um, you know, I was I was you know really really bitter about it. You know, and and uh, I remembered I went out to dinner that night with a good friend and, and mentor and remembered that the Southeastern University women's basketball job was open. I just randomly heard about it a couple weeks earlier. Uh, called Dwayne Agard, who was the AD at that time. Right. I knew him from being here for NAI and NCCA national tournaments. And I uh, asked him if it was still open. He said he had closed the search, but what's up? And uh, it led to a phone interview the next week and uh, came down here. And, and actually, the the funny part of it is I, I'm interviewing with the whole staff, which at mm. that point was a lot smaller than it is now. Yeah. But they asked me, would, Drew, would you ever want to be an AD again? And I said, no, no, I, would, I never want to do that again. Too much this and that. I just want to coach and win championships. Yeah. And I uh, took the job. The next year, I became the AD. So God's got a sense of humor. Right. You know, but in, in that journey, um, you know, there were a lot of things that God taught me. I, and to be honest, I showed up here pretty wounded. You know, I, I just had gone through a divorce, lost my job. Uh, as I said, I'd been from the start to finish 
22 years at the same place. And so uh, God really has used Southeastern and the people I've met here to, to, to really pour into me and you know, and it's it's great great to see that work sure. over the past. And and people who have known me those ten years just look back and go, you know, remember when? Yeah. And uh, God's just so good in that in that way. That's so huge. So tell us a little bit more about what that's like to to go into that transition, right? So you're in a new spot, you're in a new season, you're taking over as AD. How do you how do you take a an organization you haven't been a part of? What are some of the um, practical principles that you've been using to kind of grow our our, uh, our program here. Well, it was it was interesting because a lot of people, when you're you're hired for a new job, you're you're interviewing, you're coming into the job. When I became athletic director, I'd been here a year already, mm. and so all of my colleagues as coaches in in the in the stroke of one day became, you know, my my subordinates as it were, mm. and so I was. We always ate lunch together, and we you know always hung out. That day, I stopped getting lunch invitations, you know, and just it just there's a different different feel right, when dynamic, when you, yeah. yeah when you're the when you're the leader but you know i think the advantage to that transition was that i because i had been here a year i knew all the coaches and i knew you know you develop your own opinions about what strengths and weaknesses your your colleagues have and you know i th i feel like that helped me get a jump start mm -hmm. on what needed to happen here to start the change and um, you know and for me really in transition it's getting the right people in the right seats on the bus and when you do that, it makes it makes it uh, it just sets you up for success in right. so many ways. Right. Yeah. Of course. Um, you know, when you came, what we only had nine athletic teams. Eight. Eight yep. athletic Eight. teams. So, you know, part of our visionary growth has been to focus on co-curricular building our sports program. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and and wow, what a job you have done. When you think about coaching, most head coaches typically have the responsibility of, you know, if you're coaching just a, a singular team, 10 to 40 athletes on average for one team. Athletic directors, however, are responsible for every athletic program, uh, athlete and coach. How do you multitask or how do you handle the responsibility of almost 500 over 500 uh, individuals. Yeah, I think part of it is understanding that no day is going to look like you thought it was when you woke up that morning. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, people are messy. We're all messy. And, and when you're dealing with 500 student athletes, there's any number of issues that happen during, during a weekend or during a day where, you know, I've planned to do something and I'm, I've set off on that and somebody will walk in or my phone will mm -hmm. ring and this has happened. Um, you know, what, what are we now going to do about it? So you've got to pivot. So, you know, part of it is, is not being so structured that you're annoyed by that. Yeah. You know, you've got to expect that. In fact, I joke with my, my staff that when I wake up and I see a one or two meetings on my schedule and I think, oh, I'm going to catch up on, it, on some work today, yeah, some email, happen. it never happens that way. It's, <laughs> it's typically one of my busier days when that happens. Yeah. So it's really just setting your expectations to be realistic and not thinking, well, nothing will happen today so I can stay structured in my approach. You know, and just, just realizing that people are people are people and things mm -hmm. are gonna happen and that's yeah. part of the job. It's not it's it's a job where, no pun intended, I'm putting out a lot of fires. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And, and uh and, and part of that is having a great staff, you mm -hmm. know, to, to support and to, to help with that. Right. So walk us through a little bit of how do you build trust with your staff, you know, especially with your coaches. They have a lot of 
variety, backgrounds, some of them different philosophies. How do you how do you build a cohesive kind of culture across the board there? Well, I think for me, there's some some leadership lessons you learn from watching solid leaders do what they do, and there's leadership lessons you learn from watching people who don't do it so well. Yeah. And for me, I've, I've seen a lot of great leaders in my time, but in my formative years, there were a lot of people around me that I, I look and I say, if I'm, if I'm ever in that spot, I'm not going to do it that way. And one of my one of the people in my past, and you know, just uh, would love to love to sugarcoat things, you know, and and you know, what what how can I? You know, I would ask, how can I be better? Oh, you're good. You're good. You just need to you know work a little harder. And well, that's not what I needed to hear. So out of that, I developed the, the philosophy that I'm just going to be honest with the people that I lead. And when you're honest with people, even when it's tough. You know, when you're delivering tough news, I think they learn to trust you because they know you're not gonna, you're not gonna shy away from a moment that that really invests in them, and points out things in their life that they need to, you know, in, in their in their life or career that they maybe need to work on. And uh, when you do that, I think there's a, a high level of trust that develops. Yeah, and, and, and just to follow up on that a little bit, how how do you um, how do you how do you know how to select the right coach? What do you look for? You know, I think. Typically, I like to I like to select people that I either have worked with and know their character, know their work ethic, or have worked for people that I trust their opinion on. Yeah, you know, I think when you've got a pile of resumes, when you've got an opening, it's really tough to look through a pile of resumes and, and read character or read work sure. e work ethic. And so, so for me, you know, having having someone who who knows the sport, who who has a great work ethic, but really has a heart for student athletes. Right. Because I've seen a lot of coaches who know their sport inside and outside, uh, uh, but they don't know how to relate to student athletes. Mm. They can teach X's and O's, but they, they, they have, like there's, a, there's this uncomfortableness about their interactions with student athletes. And that's what we're all here for. We're right. here for, for transformational change in students. Yep. And there's no better grounds for that, I, I believe, than the athletic venue. Right. And so when you've got coaches who, who don't have that heart or, or find that awkward, it's never going to work out. Yeah, yeah. You know, during, this, uh, uh, during the heightened season of COVID last year, our fire athletic teams had to adjust in a major way to different schedules, new safety protocols. Regardless, you still ran a successful season of sports from start to finish. Again, you had four national championships mm -hmm. during a COVID uh, year. What kind of decisions need to be made in these situations in order for success to still become possible, even in the midst of, you know, unexpected events, uh, difficult circumstances? How do you navigate that? Well, when COVID first hit in March, um, you know, it was it, it really was a conscious decision that we made to make sure we were we were ministering to students because of because of the fear that that was present in all of them. They're all being sent home. All of a sudden, sports are canceled. The world is changing. Uh, we have a significant amount, and, and I not we, but in in this this demographic, there's a significant amount of students who struggle with mental illness, mm -hmm. who are who are anxiety or depression. And their sport helps them through that. It's mm. a coping. It's a co it's a coping help for them, and so they all of a sudden lose that. And so our first goal was to it was to address the fear, address the student athlete. Um, 
try and minister that to them in a way that says everything's going to be okay and not not like kind of glance over that and so that was our, our main focus at that point was to say, okay, how can we minister to you? What do you need from us right now uh, apart from sport? You know, it stinks that you lost baseball, softball's over, women's basketball tournament was canceled right after our first game. Yeah. I mean, those things are terrible, but we tried really to, to minister to the student athlete. And, and what, I, what I was surprised at, and I probably shouldn't have been, was that my job just like the coaches, when I encourage them, hey, focus on your teams, make sure your teams are being talked to, connect mm -hmm. with them on a regular basis. My team is the coaches. And, and this is not negative towards them in any way, but I was surprised how they were affected by COVID. You know, I, I had this naive assumption that, oh, we're all adults. You know, we all understand that you know, these things happen in life. Well, this is, unpre this is unprecedented. Yeah. Right. And so what took me by surprise, and I, a couple weeks in, I, I just, I changed my tact, was that the coaches were also dealing with fear mm -hmm. of the unknown and what was going to happen. And, you know, and so, so I think the first step in dealing with COVID was dealing with how it was affecting people and realizing that for me, getting us back to play as soon as we could was the best thing for our student athletes because of those mental health issues right and everything they deal with that sport helps with yeah, yeah and so what were some of the what were some of the strategies used to help accomplish that goal how did you help keep the teams ready and keep them adapting to the situation that really just kept changing week to week yeah we had a lot of protocols set, set in place we had temperature checks just like the university mm -hmm. did but every time uh, before a student athlete reported to a facility each day they also had to get their temperature checked but beyond the protocols uh, we really we really focused on integrity mm -hmm. because if you're a student athlete you wake up in the morning you don't feel well the last thing you want to do is skip a game that night. Right. Big soccer game. Kaiser's coming to town. Yeah. You know, we, we I want to play that game. Well, and if you if you operate yourself um, by by with integrity, you're going to say, I really want to play the game, but if I take the field or I go into that team meeting today, I may infect my team, and we're going to miss a whole bunch of games. And so we we struggled with that a little bit early on, but I think the student athletes started understanding that I need to be honest here mm -hmm. and if I and I need to do the right thing even though it's difficult and if I do that it protects my season like yeah. the, the season of the team yeah and real and that's really what you know what what leadership is about and what we're trying to teach these kids is the perspective is not you the perspective is your team and everybody around you mm. and so it, it it wasn't perfect you know but it gave us a chance to to emphasize integrity and honesty and stepping up and doing the right thing in a tough situation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, one final question before we, uh, we move into the fire round, which, uh, as you know, we always zap you with about two or three questions mm -hmm. here that uh, we want you to answer with your gut. But I want to ask you, uh, one of the things that's important is to teach our students how to serve, especially our athletes, how to serve. And I know that you get them involved in a lot of wonderful service in our community. Talk a little bit about how important that is. Yeah, it's real, it's it's important. It kind of goes on the up on the idea of of outward facing. Right. And with athletes, it's it's really difficult sometimes because sport becomes your life. Mm -hmm. So you're a student. There's expectations there. You're an athlete. There's so many expectations there that didn't used to be there. You know, back in the, way back in the day at Southeastern, if you had mentioned a strength and conditioning coach. 
to some of our athletes, like what? I, I, my <laughs> strength, strength and what? You know, and 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 that's completely different now. Right. right. There's required study hall hours. There's yeah. tutoring that goes on. Strength and conditioning hours. And so it's really easy for student athletes to get focused on their sport, focused on school, and their you know other other ancillary things that that the teams do in addition to spiritual formation by the university of Bible studies, chapels. Um, and so what what we try and do is it's, is to make sure this is not a bubble that we mm -hmm. have on campus here that they understand that. This is life. I mean, they're not going to graduate from college and all of a sudden not have anything to do. If they get into a career, there's going to still right. be things to do. So investing in the community around you. And there's, there's so, many th so many opportunities yeah. in Lakeland. And we, we work probably most as a department with the Dream Center. Yep. And, uh, and each year before the student athletes get back, the whole athletic staff goes down to the Dream Center and we work on a project. Uh, for a morning, so uh, it's not just our student athletes; it's our staff. Uh, but we just we just really feel like that's that's part of the transformational process. Is when you're standing in a in a home in Lakeland mm -hmm. that that there that, that's just deplorable conditions, and you're trying to help a family out. That really kind of, kind of gets your gets your mind off where you're at. It also right. helps you feel blessed. Yeah. That. You know, no matter what situation you're in, there's always somebody that's struggling worse than you. Yeah. And uh, I can't tell you how many times I've been blessed by being on those projects. And we hear student athletes mm -hmm. make comments when they're coming out. Man, I didn't, I didn't realize how how bad people had it. Mm -hmm. Or you know, just it's a complete change of perspective. Yeah. That's very helpful. So good, and and that is a value that we have here at Southeastern. We want to teach our students how to love this community. If they can learn to love this community wherever God takes them, they'll know how to love mm -hmm. the people uh, that are around them. Well, as we move into the fire round, uh, we want to ask you a few questions here surrounding a little bit about everything we've kind of discussed. Just uh, grab a few practical and applicable pieces of advice from your experiences for our listeners. So let's begin, Mike. Cole, you can fire away the first question. Awesome, awesome. So what is what is the best advice you can you give to athletes when they just graduate, when their career is done and making that transition from being a full time athlete to the rest of their lives? You know, I think I think number one, we tell them that you learn uh, the lessons that you've learned these past four years or however long you've been here, they apply to life. All right. The other thing is that a that a resume is not enough. And you've got to go out there. And, and, and what I tell them is when a job opening comes, your name has to pop into somebody's head for some reason, for some positive reason. We're like, hey, I got to call Michael Steiner because right. he, he, I saw him work. So we try to encourage volunteer, you know, get into camps, mm. in, internships. Like, and I know people need to make money, but these folks that go to, go to a Final Four and stand in a hotel and, and wait for Coach K to walk through the lobby and and throw a resume at them. I mean, that's that's not. I don't think the best way to do it. Right. You've got to get. You've got to develop relationships right. where people re people think of you yeah. when they've got like, oh, I remember him. Mm -hmm. Let me give him a call. See what he's doing. Yeah. And that's that starts early. Start yep. start working on that mm -hmm. earlier in your collegiate career. That's mm -hmm. for sure. Uh, my question: How can leaders have the right level of confidence without letting pride and arrogance become an issue? Well, that's a good question uh, because I think it's a human human condition, pride mm -hmm. and arrogance. But I, I think um, 
take take me for example. Um, I was given an opportunity at Southeastern University, where where people opened the door and said, "We believe you can do this. Have at it." And I think I think realizing that no opportunity that we get is our of of our own. You know, we, we, we create situations where those opportunities are available to us, but somebody opened the door. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and whether you're an athletic director, a coach, a student athlete, the gifts that our student athletes have come from God. Right. And they're, they're not their own. And, you know, obviously that, you know, when you, when you uh, score a big touchdown and you, you do the, the cartwheel in the end zone, you know, you're feeling pretty good about yourself. You got 3,000 people cheering for you. But at some point, you know, pride starts to take over if you don't realize, hey, that that ability is from him. Right. And and same with any professional, I think. I mean, you know, at uh, at at some point, we all got an opportunity because somebody opened the door. And I would say, all the success that we've had in athletics is is a tribute to to you, Dr. Engel, to the administration, mm -hmm. to to Dr. Owen for the investment that that you all have made in athletics. There's a lot of it, and and, and I. I truly believe there are a lot of athletic directors around this country who, who if given the opportunity, would, would do a great job, but they're not given the opportunity. Right. Mm -hmm. They're at a university who doesn't support athletics the way that we do. And, uh, and so I, I think it's just perspective. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's just, it's just stepping back a little bit and going, hey, this isn't me. Yeah. This is an opportunity that I was given, and these are gifts that God has given me that are not of my own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Love it, love it. Last question to wrap us up today. What is one, uh, one, one book or podcast or resource you would recommend to somebody as they're transitioning into a leadership role? Man, there's so much out there. Uh, Outside of framework leadership, pick it up on Amazon yeah, today. Say that. Right yeah. there, that was a great one. That's a good one. That's what, outside of that one and the Bible, what you other one? You cut me off. Yeah. I was going to say that. <laughs> it was okay. Oh, yeah. Goodness. Um, I, I think one, one of the best uh, books I've, I've read lately is The Ideal Team Player yeah. by Patrick Lencioni. Yeah. Um, just really, real easy read, but fundamental mm -hmm. in, uh, in just hiring the right people. I think other, uh, the other thing is when you talk about resources, there's resources all around us, mm. and they're called people. Yeah, and, and I think too many people are too, too proud to make that phone call or, or to call their predecessor and mm -hmm. say, hey, can you just can we have coffee? Yeah. Can we sit down and just talk about the challenges you had here? Uh, call colleagues, mm -hmm. you know, who have who have done what you're trying to do. I mean, that's. I think sometimes, oh, I can do. It. I, you know, that's yeah. pride. It's pride you were talking about earlier. I mean, I can do this. Yeah. I got it. But sometimes it's uh, well, every time it's better to learn from someone else's mistakes than your own. Yep. Yeah. And so talk to people who've been there before. Yep. So good. Well, Drew, I want to thank you for joining us today on Framework Leadership Podcast. Grateful for your insight. You came. Uh, you brought some swag with you, yes. some fire hats. And I know there's a lot of people out there that would love to have fire swag. Um, what is, is there a is there a fan page? Is there a place where they can go to get some of that? Fire yeah, suufire.com. We have a we have a, a shop set up there. That okay, they can get now. I, I need to tell you just for your own swag is kind of out now. It's, oh, it's now called wow. merch. Merch. Okay. Yes. Merch. Yeah. They, we yeah. we've been corrected. Like I. You know, I've been correct. Hey, you want some swag? It's it's, it's merch. merch. Okay. Yeah. Merch. All right. Well, we we've got plenty of merch, right? There we've you go. got uh, articles of clothing with the southeastern logo yes. on it that you can yeah, grab. Whatever you call However it. you want to call that, yes. it's there for you uh, on the. And what's that website again? 
SUFire.com. SUFire.com. So love it, love it. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having uh, me. Yeah, and as always, if you want to stay up to date with Drew, you can follow him on Instagram. That's at DrewWatson underscore AD. Don't forget the AD. And you can follow him on Twitter, DrewWatsonAD. And uh, make sure you check him out there. Got a lot of great content. Keep up with all things fire. Go fire. Go fire. To all of our athletes listening today. And if you are watching us on YouTube right now, now would be a great time to hit that subscribe button, that follow button, so that you can and stay up to date with all of the greatest leadership content right into your feed. You can also check us out on Instagram at Kent underscore Ingle or Twitter at Kent Ingle. You can also get leadership content to your inbox. I love good content in my inbox. I love it in my Who email. Doesn't? It's the best. And you can go to www.kenningle.com, sign up for our newsletter, weekly newsletter. It gives you resources, articles, books, everything you need to be a better leader. So check that out. Thank you all so much for listening to Framework Leadership. All right, take care, everybody.